0: Worship team. Praise God. Please be seated. Amen. Well, hey, let's have a word of prayer as we get into the word of God this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to just be amazed at your greatness. How great you are, God. All around us is your handiwork. Thank you for everyone that's here this morning. I pray, God, that we would sense your presence here in this place. We know what you promised, where two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst. You're right here. You're right here. And we love you, Jesus. We bow before you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, we're in a series entitled Questions by Jesus. And uh, the question that we talked about last week, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? The implication of that question is obvious. It doesn't profit a person anything. To gain the whole world but lose your soul. Speaking to the value of every soul. How valuable it is to make sure that your soul is connected with the God that created you. The question today is this. Jesus asked the disciples when he washed their feet, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? Pretty much what we were doing this morning when we partook of the bread and the cup. Do you understand what Jesus Christ did for you? when he became a servant to all those who would place their faith and trust in him by laying down his life on the cross for you do you understand it the most important message this world has ever seen the greatest event in human history jesus laying down his life for you and for me but when jesus washes the disciples feet he asks that question do you understand it why i did this like you turn your bibles to john chapter 13 page 900 in your chair bibles john chapter 13 let's start with verse 1 let's all read it together have our bibles open you can underline verses put notes in your bibles oh that would be fantastic all right if your bible's too good to write in it's what it's too good get another bible john 13 1 now before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world what is he talking about there talking about his crucifixion. The time was coming close for him to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Remember what Jesus said, I did not come to be served but to what? Serve "Serve and lay down my life for many. Mark 10, 45 is where that verse is found. He came to serve. His time had come to depart out of this world to the Father having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Think about what the disciples did. When he was arrested, they fled and abandoned him. uh, Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. But Jesus loved them to the end. The amazing love of Jesus. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Think about that power. All things, everything given into the hands of of Jesus. He owns it all. Then it says this about Jesus that he had come from God and was going back to God. You know, I love that verse because when I read this passage, I think how amazingly wise of the Holy Spirit to make sure that verse was in the Bible. It didn't have to be there. Could have just said um, that he loved his own to the end and he got up from the table and took off his outer garments and washed the disciples' feet. But this verse is added for a reason. He knew that all things were given into his hands. He knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. He rose from supper, next phrase. He laid aside his his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them down with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who was with him. Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what I'm doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Interesting how Peter is calling Jesus Lord and then telling the Lord what to do, right? I'm going to give you instructions, Jesus. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Again, telling Jesus how to run things. I want to stop there. Here's the bottom line of our message today. Jesus set an example of being a servant and expects us to duplicate his passion to serve others. That ultimately is what following Jesus is all about. A humility that says, Lord, I want to serve you by serving others. And and you're not asking me to do anything that you didn't do yourself. Because, by the way, as impressive as, as it is that the God of this universe... Washes the disciples' feet, he's gonna take it a step further. In fact, he says this to Peter in John chapter 13. He says, The one who has bathed is to wash except for those feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew that he was about who was about to betray him. That's why he said, Not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He wants us to have a humble servant heart. And he's going to go a step beyond this. In essence, he's saying to Peter, if you think this is good, that the God of the universe, the Lord of all creation, is washing your feet. Wait till you see what happens next. When I lay down my life for you on the cross and become the ultimate servant of this world to pay the price for everyone's sin who would place their faith and trust in Jesus. Have you done that? Jesus laid down his life to set you free, to adopt you into his family so that you would know that you are in the family of God forgiven with eternal life as one of your possessions. See, this is the first thing I see in the text. It's this. Find your motivation to serve in the fact that you came from and will go to God. I love how that verse is in this text. Jesus knew that he came from God and he's going back to God. Same is true of you, by the way. you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you came from god that god created you that you are here for a reason that god knows every day you will live before you ever lived it I, i spoke at fca again this week to the christian club at the high school that my son is at and i told them again please do not believe the lie that you are a product of an atheistic evolutionary process, I think you know I love sharing with young people the evidence for creation it's powerful, if you're a young person today the overwhelmingly powerful evidence that you are created by an intelligent designer that is exactly like the God of the Bible, with that kind of power and that kind of knowledge He made you I said you are not the result of some random evolutionary process, you are here for a reason, God knows you He knows the hairs on your head, He knows the days you will live before you ever live them. And he has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Do you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt today? Do you work it into the way you live every day? We had a beautiful sunset last night. And and able to look at that sunset and go, way to go, God. Amazing. That's you. That's your fingerprints, that's your creativity all around us. We see His amazing power as He holds everything together and He knows you and made you. You have come from God. And one day, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to go back to be with God. You're going to go to the place that He has prepared for you. You will see Jesus face to face. See, it's that kind of thinking that frees you up to be a servant to others because you know if you're connected to God it does away with all your pride you realize that you are here for something much bigger than yourself you're here to build the kingdom of God it gives you an eternal purpose it gives you the opportunity to do something that will last for eternity don't miss it don't get caught up in thinking how many people are going to serve me how many people are going to be watching out for me see Jesus wants us to radically change the way we think Jesus said this he knew that his hour had come this is all part of God's plan he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end in spite of the fact that they abandoned him and betrayed him he loved them to the end the Greek word here in the text the word "new," is the Greek word idon which means a full conscious awareness a conviction he knew that his hour had come he knew why he was here he knew what his purpose was We should have that same kind of conviction that will free you up to be like Jesus, that will free you up to get away from this arrogant, prideful lifestyle of getting people to serve you, and for you to humble yourself. I want to tell you today God loves a humble heart. James tells us this God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Are you humble today? Are you able to say, God, you are the one who is in charge of my life. I humble myself before you. My life is yours. I want to be like you, and I want to live a selfish life. I want to live a selfless life like you did for us when you laid down your life on the cross. See, that's what Romans talks about. This is a verse you may be familiar with. Romans 12 says this, do not be conformed to this world. The challenge for all of us is to not to think like the world. The, people may not verbalize it, but they're looking for people to do for them. Watch out for me. I don't have time to watch out for you. That's the thinking of the world, to live a self-centered life. Don't be conformed to the cookie-cutter pattern of this world. Be radically different by the power of Jesus Christ who said this through the Apostle Paul, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by thinking very differently than the world, and that by testing, when you live it out, you'll discern that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. As you live it out, you find that this life has fulfillment, this life has meaning, this life has purpose that you will not find in the world. And I love how it goes on and says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, here the word is again, think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, God has assigned to think in a radically different way we come to church, we know that we're a community of believers here to serve Jesus. And by serving Jesus, we serve one another. And we have a servant's heart and we've humbled ourselves before God. And we say, God, I want to do life your way, not mine. I want to have this servant's heart that you had, Jesus. That's what he says here. Do you understand what I've done for you? I've set an example for you. So if we want to be a follower of Jesus, if we want to come anywhere close to being like the one that we've dedicated our lives to, it means to develop a servant's heart. Husbands, are you serving your wives with a servant's heart? Wives, do you serve your husbands with a servant's heart? Parents, are you serving your kids? Yes, leading them. Yes, guiding them. But they see in you a servant leader that's like Jesus. Kids, are you serving your parents? Having a servant's heart for your parents, friends of yours, are you serving them with a servant's heart? Do they see in you a Christ-like spirit that's radically different than the self-centered actions of this world? You might say, well, Mel, what are some of the things that we should be thinking or meditating on? Let me just give you some verses I found in the Psalms. Psalm 77 says this, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds like that sunset that we saw yesterday like the beauty of God's creation all around us, like the thought of the cross, that God would go to the cross for me. I'll meditate on your mighty deeds, God. Psalm 119, I'll meditate on your precepts, the truth that I find in your word, and fix my eyes on your ways. Later in Psalm 119, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. What David is saying is this, even when I have problems even when there are people against me, I'm going to meditate on your word and the principles of it. Psalm 145 says this On the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate. To realize that you have this awesome relationship with a God that has everything in his hands, all things given to Jesus Christ. He controls it all, he pulls it all together. And the same God takes off his outer garments, gets on his knees, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples who would in a few days betray him and abandon him. He's an awesome God. Don't you love serving a God like that? Aren't you excited about serving a God like that? It's awesome that he would portray himself in that way. And remember, it's right after it says knowing that all things were given into his hands. He had awesome power. He didn't come out of that thought and say, okay, you know what, God is just, the Father has just given me all things. Disciples, worship me. No, after that thought, he takes off his outer garments and takes the lowest job of any servant in the household because washing the the feet of the guests of a household was the lowest job of any servant. That was a job no one wanted to do. And in spite of the fact that Jesus did that job, it still stunk, amen? It was still a stinky, dirty job that Jesus did. And if you've ever had your feet washed, you know there's a feeling that happens. I've had it done a few times to me. Someone else washing my feet. And the thought that overwhelms you is this. I'm not worthy, no, no, don't don't do it move on to the next person please don't wash my feet I, I, I don't feel worthy of you washing my feet that's another person washing my feet, can you imagine it being the God of this universe like happened with Peter and the disciples in this passage that's the kind of God we serve and he said I did it for this reason to set an example for you Riverview We need to be a church that loves to serve, that puts away our self-centered, selfish lives and serves one another with joy, knowing that ultimately in serving one another, we serve Jesus. In helping one another, we in essence are helping the Lord. And that when people walk into the Riverview Church Family Fellowship, they say, man, there's something so different about this church. They love serving one another. I know my wife has friends that come from Germany. And this is the constant question we get, because in Germany, it's a state church where the government pays for people to work in the church. People will say to us all the time from Germany, Mel, do these people are working out here at the donuts and the the coffee, do they do that? Do they get paid for that? Or do they do that as volunteers? I said, well, they do get a donut uh, uh, for doing that. No, they do it as volunteers. They can't believe that there are so many people serving in so many different capacities as volunteers. Why? Because we do it for Jesus because He set the example for us. And if there's one way in which Jesus Christ can be powerfully seen in you is to have a servant's heart. Husbands, what have you done for your wife as a servant this week? Wives, what have you done for your husbands this week? Parents, for your kids? To demonstrate that you have this servant's and following the example of Jesus that will transform your marriage it will transform your family I still remember those moments when my mom did for me something she didn't have to do and it still is burned into my memory Man, my, my mom was a servant to me she did it out of love for me other people that have touched my lives who weren't paid a penny to do it they came as volunteers into my life and and directed me and got me back on the path and loved me and reached out to me and cared for me those moments are burned into my memory people that touched my heart and my life because they were being like Jesus and I want to tell you that's happening all around the church it's happening all around the church And if anything, we want to see that happen more so that more people can experience the joy of serving. What are the things that Jesus was focused on? Let me give them to you quickly. He was focused on an intimate relationship with his Father. He knew the Father had given all things into his hands. He knew he came from the Father. He was going back to the Father. He had an intimate relationship with God. So should we. Do you have a relationship with God? Do you think about him throughout the day when you're not here at church? There's an amazing step of maturity that happens in the believer's life when they know, moment by moment, I am with God. I have an intimate relationship with Him. I abide in His presence, moment by moment, relying upon Him, moment by moment, seeking His wisdom for the challenges and the problems that I face every day. Do you have that kind of awareness? Moment by moment, I'm with God. It will change the way you act at work. It will change the way you act at parties. It will change the way you act in the neighborhood. Because you know you're representing the God that's changed your life. See, that's all about authority. It's about saying, God, you're in control of my life. My life is yours. I lay my life on the altar. That's what the Bible says. Jesus laid his life down as a sacrifice. Now he wants us to lay our lives down as living sacrifices. Here's another thing that Jesus prioritizes. An unconditional love focused on the needs of others. He loved them to the end. It wasn't like, I'll love you when you guys follow me. I'll love you if you don't desert me. No, he loved them to the end. The love word for love here is that familiar word agape it's that unconditional love See, he was a priority of jesus ministry here's another thing a consistent walk regardless of the circumstances again they abandoned him but jesus loved them to the end i want to ask you do you just love the people that love you do you just love the people that love you or, or do you say, no, Lord, regardless of what happens, I will love you. And the people that are difficult to love, God, help me to have the strength to love, love them as well. It's easy to love people that love you. The test is, when someone hates you, can you say, God, help me to love that person. That person is blinded by Satan and the evil one. That person is a victim of the deception of this world. God, help me to love them. I like what It says here, love that reaches to the fullest extent is the kind of love Jesus had. It could be translated in this way in the verse. He loved them to the uttermost. Jesus poured out his cup of love to the bottom of the cup for us, emptied it all out for us. What's that all about? It's about integrity. It's about being who God wants us to be. It's about being the follower of Christ that we claim to be, living our lives with integrity, Here's another thing that Jesus talked about, a confident knowledge of who he was. This passage talks about knowing exactly who he was, what his identity was. I want to ask you, someone came to you today and said, hey, what defines your life? What defines you? My prayer would be without hesitation, you would say what defines my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ. What defines me is I have become a follower of Jesus. He impacts every compartment of my life. He impacts the way I do everything because he's worthy of that. I'm not going to follow any other author or leader in this world outside of Jesus because Jesus is the one that died and rose again. I'll follow him. He is my identity. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt and the people around you know that you believe this? You have come from God. You don't believe the thinking of this world. What's taught to our students in public high schools, which is so sad. It breaks my heart every time I walk on a campus and have to speak to a Christian club on campus that these students are being taught that they're the product of a random evolutionary process rather than a God who loves them. It's being robbed from our young people because that is the truth of a God who loves them who stamped his image upon them that should be their identity and that will change the way you live when you're connected with God and you know you came from God and you're going back to God it frees you up to be the servant that will serve God this living God who holds it all together and you're free to say you know what I'm going to serve others that's not always easy, right? I remember when we planted a church in Chicago, and we uh, picked a junior high school to be the place where we would plant a church. And there was a cafetorium there about the size of this room. There was a cafeteria, and they could turn it into an auditorium by putting out chairs. We rented that building. And every Sunday morning, when we started our church, I still remember the first Sunday, we brought this big trailer with 12 rolling cases inside, and we'd roll out these big black cases, 12 of them from this trailer, and some would go to this room for the kids there, and some would go there, and some would come in the worship center, we'd have curtains around and lights and sound system, and we'd put up 400 chairs. And I remember the first Sunday, we had the first Sunday we had four hundred balloons that we released into the sky, remember that? And one went from Chicago across Lake Michigan, across the state of Michigan, over Detroit into Canada. And we got a letter from a lady in Canada. By the way, I found we'd stapled a card, an invite card from our church on the balloons. It made it across Michigan into Canada. She sent the card back and said, I found this attached to a deflated balloon in my backyard. Just thought you might want to know how far it went. It was amazing. It had a great opening Sunday, but I remember packing everything back up in the cases, rolling them back into the trailer, closing the door of the trailer, and thinking, I am exhausted. And then remembering, wait a minute. I got to do this next Sunday, and the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, but it was a great time, and every Sunday, we'd show up about 530, and put up about 400 chairs, and I remember we'd have donuts and coffee in the back, and I remember one Sunday, a little team of us were putting up the chairs, and there was a guy in the back who was just looking at us, and I recognize him, He'd been to our church, we'd been going maybe about a month or two, and, and I saw him in the back, and he was enjoying our delicious donuts and great coffee. And I saw him in the back just standing there watching us, eating his donut and watching uh, and drinking his coffee. So I walked up to him. I said, hey, man, good to see you again. Welcome back. I said, we're setting up chairs for the service this morning. Could you help us? This was his answer. He said, Pastor, that's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> and I said, you know, I feel like giving you a spiritual gift right now because you drinking the coffee and eating the donuts doesn't feel all that good. There's some people who just don't get it, who can't jump in when there's a need and want to serve. Maybe it's not a formal ministry that you're involved in, but it's you see the need and I'll jump in. You see the need and have a servant's heart. And you ultimately do it for Jesus Christ because you want to be like Him. May this church be filled with people that have servant hearts. And I believe this, when all of us are working together, no one gets burned out, no one gets overloaded. Everyone experiences the joy of being part of building. Like Ed said, have you ever done something where you have impacted the life of somebody else directly? You feel the joy of that. The joyful impact of a life that is serving like Jesus. See, the world will tell us, hey, man, you climb up the corporate ladder and you have all these people serving you, then you're successful. Jesus flips the triangle around and says, no, you are great in God's eyes when you serve everyone else. In Mark 9, he said it this way. He sat down and called the 12. Hey, guys, come here. i got to tell you something. I've got to tell you this really important thing. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. God loves the servant heart. God loves a person who's always watching for an opportunity to help someone who's in need. And I believe that God is going to work it out in a way that no one gets burned out. No one should get overloaded. And if it is, then the church, and I I as a pastor, I'm not doing my job. I need to know that if you're feeling burned out. There's a joy in knowing you're like Jesus. There's a joy in giving of yourself. Being a servant, by the way, does not mean you become a doormat for other people. It does not mean that. It doesn't mean that you let people take total advantage of you. I I believe a servant is a person that helps others, but sets boundaries to help this person lift themselves out of the state that they are in. If you don't do that, you become an enabler. So it doesn't mean we allow people to totally take advantage of someone else. That doesn't help them at all. It also does not mean this, that you neglect your primary areas of responsibility. We don't want anyone serving God and serving others and neglecting their marriage or their family or the responsibilities they have. You've been called to meet those responsibilities. But the joy of saying, man, I just love serving others because that's what Jesus did for me and I want to be like him. I want to be like him. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes hard to figure out. How, how do I do that? Reminds of the story of three Norwegian uh, construction guys. Now I'm a Norwegian, so I'll tell it as a Norwegian joke. And, and these three Norwegian construction guys had a job to do. They, they worked at a company where they had one flagpole, and the company wanted two flagpoles because they are going to put a, a, another flag up. So they said, hey, go out and measure the height of the flagpole, and then come back and tell us we'll why another one the same size. So the three guys go out there, and they go to the flagpole, and they're standing at the flagpole, and they realize... I don't have a ladder. Do you have a ladder? No, we don't have a ladder. We didn't forgot a ladder. A woman comes by with her construction gear and her little tool belt on. She says, what's the problem? She said, well, we have to measure this flagpole and we don't have a ladder. So she looks at him, walks over to the flagpole, takes her tool, uh, loosens all the bolts on the flagpole, lays the flagpole down, takes out her tape measure, runs it down the length of the pole. She measures 22 feet 10 inches, goes back to the guys and says, hey, flagpole's 22 feet 10 inches. She walks away. The leader of the three guys, the three Norwegian guys, he looks at the other two and says, Yeah, isn't that for a woman? We wanted the height, she gave us the length. <laughs> sometimes the simplest things are hard to figure out for some people. And I want to tell you that sometimes how it is with Jesus. He wants us to be servants and we try to complicate that message. But it's really pretty simple that you say, You know what? I want to be a person that serves others. I want to be like Jesus See, Jesus demonstrated it in a powerful way for us it was perfect leadership he doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself, Jesus commanded us to do it and so for us the role is this perfect discipleship yeah Jesus help me to have the eyes help me to have the wisdom to identify where there's a need it might not be a formal ministry in the church but I can jump in, but jump in and help somebody encourage somebody, pray for somebody get get the church mobilized to help with this bigger need that's too big for me to handle. Help me to have a servant's heart, God. See, John 13 says it really clearly. Do you understand what I've done to you? I've done this as an example. I want you to do the same. So what does it mean to live out your faith at Riverview Church? People have asked me, Mel, if I come to Riverview, what, what should I do? What should I try to do as a person who attends this church? Let me give you a few W's, okay? Number one is this, weekend worship. We would love for you to come together with other brothers and sisters, and I hope you feel the love of God in this place. I am a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. No better than any of us who come to the cross and realize we fall short of God's standard so all of us can be real about our struggles and come together and worship God and lift Him up it's all about Him, it's all about Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross and how the Father sent Him and the Holy Spirit wants to live inside of us and empower us then to maybe a weekly Bible study we'd love for you to get involved in a home group or a Bible study so you begin to feel connected here you have friends here when you come every Sunday that you feel welcomed here. We have groups like the recovery ministry that meet during the week that help people over habits and hurts and hang-ups that they have. We have all these different Bible studies that are going on. You've seen them all announced. That's another area of involvement. That you would get in the Word during the week. That In response to what you're hearing here, you say, man, I'm going to get into the Word five minutes a day. Just five minutes. Open up the Word and just read it. Maybe read through the Gospel of John one chapter a day and just say, God, help me understand what i'm reading today and apply it to my life here's another w to work for christ to find a way in which you can shoulder regular ongoing ministry responsibilities to serve others you will find a joy in that yeah there'll be times when you're going to feel exhausted but i want to tell you some of the best memories i have in ministry are the mornings we met to set up the chairs and the times that we met to close it all down put the trailer up and have a pizza party when it was all done amen barbara Those were amazing times. Never forget those people. Even though we were exhausted. (laughs) Number five, to walk. Step by step. Taking the word of God and applying it. And lastly, to be a witness. To be a light for Jesus. That's the ultimate way to serve. Is to introduce people to this amazing God that we love here at Riverview that has changed our lives by His grace by laying down His life for us. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer this morning. As your hearts are bowed this morning, we just want to say, Lord, we're thankful. We're grateful. You have changed our lives. You modeled for us as the God of this universe, everything in your hands, all power at your disposal. You got on your knees and washed the disciples' feet. Wow. We love serving a God like you. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this place that our families would be so touched by servant leaders as parents. That husbands and wives would be willing to serve each other. Kids would be willing to serve their parents. Friends serving one another. Here at the church, an attitude of servanthood would dominate this place. We just want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be just like you. That's why we do it. And we pray this in your matchless name. Amen. who loves love to pray with you about anything going on in your life, please greet one another and live this week. All for Him. God bless you. See you on the patio.